Why did Jesus say that he would make Peter, Andrew, James, and John fishers of men? We know that their occupation was to catch fish. So was Jesus merely changing the object of their occupation before they caught fish, but henceforth they would catch men? Even if we accept that it's a metaphor for making disciples, is that all that there is to it? Before they caught fish, and now Jesus gives them the mission to make disciples? In seminary, we have been repeatedly taught, agere sequitur esse, action follows being. Certainly the actions of these men were changed after this event. They were no longer catching fish, they would now be catching men. They were no longer living a stable life by the Sea of Galilee. They would now be traveling about all of Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and curing every disease and illness among the people. But what is it about their essay, their being, that changed? In a word, they began to be divinized. They were no longer merely men bound by by their carnal needs, their worldly ambitions, or even their own will. Instead, they were now men in relationship with the God-man, the Word made flesh, the second person of the Trinity. What occupation they chose henceforth is of secondary importance. What really matters is the transformation that began to take place in their hearts the moment they said yes, a yes so vividly expressed by their immediate dropping of their nets. Certainly, Jesus does call men and women to leave their homes and occupations and follow him in a literal and physical way to a different city and to a different life. Priests and religious up and down the centuries know about this call well. If there is anyone here who is feeling the tug to follow Christ in this way and who are not impeded by major obligation, I encourage you to go. Call the vocations director. Call a convent. Enter the seminary or the novitiate. You have several years to learn to pray and to discover whether a life of celibate love is for you. But what about the husband and father already raising a family? Is he called to leave his secure job and family to follow Jesus? What about the housewife? Must she make a radical change to her lifestyle? Or even the priests and religious? Having already made this choice some time ago, is there nothing left for us in this gospel passage? The scripture commentaries tell us that fishing and farming were the major industries in Galilee and that the imagery is a wordplay on their occupation. You've been fishermen, and now you'll be fishers of men. It's worth pondering what this scene might look like if it took place in our context. Perhaps Jesus would go to the farms and say, Follow me, and I will make you farmers of men. Or to the engineers, Follow me, and I will make you engineers of men. Or to computer developers, follow me and I will make you developers of men. Something is lost in these examples. It's amazing how packed with meaning the image fishers of men is. But there's at least something to be retained. God can transform the hearts of each and every one of us in the occupation we find ourselves. He can raise our nature from falling to supernatural. He can divinize us precisely where we are. No radical career change needed provided it's not something inherently immoral, of course. Here's a counterexample. During my second year of seminary, a family pulled up to campus in an RV. They joined us for some meals. They told us that Jesus had called them to be missionaries. They sold their home, bought an RV, and started traveling the country, giving away Catholic CDs. One evening, during a quieter dinner, 
The wife confided in someone that they were in a terrible living situation. They had not been showering, eating, or sleeping adequately. The kids had not been able to keep up with school. Husband and wife were fighting frequently. After an intervention by one of the priests, they agreed to move back into a stable living situation and to prioritize their relationship with God, with one another, and the raising of their children. Follow me, Jesus said to them, and I will make you mature parents of your children. They had first mistakenly interpreted that they needed to radically change the circumstances of their lives in order to follow Jesus. But now they understood that Jesus wanted to transform not their circumstances, but their very being. Here's another example. A friend of mine tells the story of his dad's conversion that took place several years after his retirement. He'd been a practicing Catholic his whole life, but something changed during this last stage of his life. Instead of spending his free time reading the paper and watching the news, which he had done for decades, he began to spend more and more time in prayer. He used to frequently complain about the political situation in the country, and now they didn't bother him anymore. When working in his shop, he used to have either rock music or political commentary playing on the radio. Now, he basked in the silence. His wife was the greatest beneficiary of his newfound death for she happily reported that he had become more patient, more present, and more loving towards her. His occupation had changed, yes, but what really changed was his heart. The most striking example of all, of course, is that of Our Lady. She didn't need to change or convert or repent in the same way that we do, for she was free from the stain of original sin. But that doesn't mean that her heart wasn't being constantly transformed. In fact, Perhaps we can say that that's precisely what the, what the Immaculate Conception reveals. Her heart is not one of stone. It is, it is never hardened, never stagnant, never cold. Instead, it was made of flesh. It is always tender, always growing, always warm. When the angel Gabriel approached her with the invitation to become the vehicle through which salvation would come into the world, she did not hesitate. Be it done to me according to thy word. As she accompanied Jesus through his life, all the way to the cross, she continued to be transformed, always pondering these things in her heart. Let us now go to Jesus in the Eucharist and renew our yes to him. Let us drop our nets and follow him. Let us look for more opportunities this week to spend time in silent prayer with him. Let us ask him to make us fishers of men to transform our stony hearts into natural hearts, to give us the grace to love as he loves. And Thomas Aquinas, in his commentary on this gospel passage, noted the call to be as such. Follow me, not so much with your feet, but with your hearts and your life.